0: We just went, right, we're opening more hours, we're opening seven days a week. A lot of people shut down. For us, it was like we're going into overdrive because we had so much to potentially lose and there was that uncertainty. When people see basically like the fear of God in here because you just don't know what's going on, I think people really, really rallied and supported us and the village is, just, is brilliant.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's hard to fathom, but during the series, we've heard from operators who opened restaurants during the pandemic. Some had little or no choice, others saw opportunity. Amongst all the pivoting, remodeling, and launching of venues, it's been clear how much family life hospitality workers were missing out on. Managing life work, balance, while everything you've worked for is put in jeopardy has made many work harder than ever, but also, try and get a greater sense of connection with family too. Richie Dolan is the co-owner and co-head chef of the Hilltop Store and Hilltop at the Lodge. Richie, how are you going, mate?
0: I'm good, mate. How are you?
1: I'm good. About a week um, after the pandemic, you'd planned to open a restaurant just literally a week after they sort of forced the closure of restaurants. Well, what was that period like?
0: yeah well it wasn't like we wanted to open it just because they'd they'd shut it all down we were it was a long time in the process as as you can imagine the um the whole ins and outs of trying to get a restaurant up and running and suppliers and um getting all that all that work get the workmen in and get them going it was it was horrible it was daunting it was um the panic we hit the panic button and we just stood we put the kids to bed one night and we looked at each other and it's quite emotional talking about it now we just yeah we just didn't know what to do because um we were we were set to open up on the 4th of April and everything got closed down on the 23rd of March and we didn't and we you didn't you didn't know whether it was real or not and then it was, then it became very, very real. And it was like, shit, we've just got, um, you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars up, you know, up, up on the line here. And um, and it was going to be like um, guaranteed income as well. Uh, good to go, because we were first offered it, uh, Hilltop at the Lodge, um, which is our second venue. We were first offered that um, as more of a, a wedding destination Um, and they had 28 weddings booked in for the year wow and you i'm sure as people that are listening know know what the overheads are on um set set menus and weddings and stuff like that these these money there's money to be made on it um and it was guaranteed for us so we were like right yeah we'll go in we we know what we know what we're up against we haven't got the we haven't got that um back in as such so but we can do it ourselves because we know that the the functions are there and we and it's guaranteed so and then this happens and it was just like holy shit um yeah talk about as far as talk about in the weeds <laughs> it definitely it definitely were it was we were, we were we were up shit creek
1: your your wife Carla Jones and yourself left Sydney a couple of years ago to create the hilltop store and Um, you know, you've worked for years building that in the community and you would finally sort of got that to sort of where you liked it and then the Hilltop at the Lodge came up. What was that sort of first couple of months of the pandemic like with uh, the Hilltop store which had built up a good local support and the fact that you had a venue that you were about to open and it just couldn't open?
0: Well, I suppose you just have to put things into perspective, like we knew that um we couldn't do anything with the lodge, so that kind of had to be put to bed. We spoke to the owners and they were really really um they good they understood like um what was going on um and they were really supportive of whatever we needed. They just reached out like they just reached out to us but but we just said, look we need to we need to really concentrate on our our baby, which was the is a hilltop store, um, baby number three, or number two, in, in whichever order you want see it, to see it as. <laughs> um, and we just, yeah, so we put all the brakes on uh, as much as we could, and then we really concentrated on the hilltop store about how can this model work, um, and how can we get the best out of it. I mean, we, we just went, right, we're opening more hours, we're opening seven days a week. A lot of people shut down. For us, it was like we're going into overdrive because we had so much to potentially lose and there was that un- uncertainty and that we were just like, right, okay, um, if we do this, if we open longer hours and um, we're, I suppose, we're a bit of a flagship of the community, um, people will rally and support and like, everyone knows everyone here. So we were going buying coffees from other people. We were making sure that we were, we were supporting... Um, other businesses we were buying takeaway from them we were um but I think when people see come and see you on a day to day basis and then they just saw that basically like the fear of god in you because you just don't know what's going on I think people really really rallied and supported us and the town like they just, well the village is just is brilliant it's brilliant it's so good so we yeah we've got a lot to we thank them from you know the bottom of our hearts for for where we where we are now um but yeah, the model—the model in itself changed. Um, obviously, we just went to takeaway. Um, we were doing some. Me and Matt, our other part, our business partner, we were doing like Friday nights. Friday nights was just burgers and beers, and we were just slinging whatever we could through the takeaway window for the first week. It was like, right, do you want this painting? It's going. Like right, bottle of wine, you're having it. <laughs> like well, I don't know what's going to happen next week, so I'm selling it. So we just, it was actually quite—it was quite funny, but it was just that. I suppose you make light of a make light of a bad situation. And um we we definitely had some fun in the first few weeks. Um, but it was a bit like Mufti Day. You know, everyone was just going in, the doors were closed, we were just putting on we were putting on rock music and we were just yeah, having the time of our lives, but it was like this is not sustainable. Like um, <laughs> just for both our sanity and um and yeah, just the the whole model you you're getting rid of everything in the everything in the freezer, everything must go, kind of fire sale, making stuff from nothing. Um, and then once it goes, was going on for a few weeks to a month to six weeks, and you realize that when you're doing these take-home meals and you're doing these, um, like, stuff from the freezer that was initially, like, okay, let's get rid of it and let's um, – like, how, the the trade and I suppose the um, what you were losing with people dining in, you were kind of making it um, balance out for the first few weeks. Um, you realize once you start start ordering that stuff back in and putting the time and effort into trying and you know, make 40 to 50 take home meals a week in this tiny little kitchen that's only used to doing bacon and eggs, um, then that's just not sustainable. And hours got longer Family like started to starts to suffer at home like more, and then like the pressure starts again. You go into this like vicious cycle. and You're like, "Fuck! How do we break this? This is like this isn't where we want to be." So, luckily, we're not. <laughs> luckily, we're not in that um that spiral anymore. But um, it's definitely the it's just the uncertainty. It's that that's the that's the thing, and no one can tell you. What what's going to happen because no one's got a crystal ball i wish we did but i suppose that if we that's not wouldn't be any fun then would it
1: <laughs> well the industry has opened up again in your area and uh, you've opened the hilltop store and i understand that in june you actually got to open the second restaurant finally what's what is the operations of both businesses at the moment
0: so the operations of um the Hilltop store with given our it's only really small footprint, so we could only have sixteen people in there um anywhere. That's now we can have six people in there and they sit along the window one point five metres apart. And, wow. You know, you have so we um yeah, that's that's a tough one. It's a tough one, but we still got a good really good takeaway trade. Um, we have got a court, we've got a courtyard at the back, which is a weather-dependent courtyard, and it's a beautiful area for people to sit in the winter. Um, but then we get to the this really horrible position where you've got you want to open up, you want to uh, get going, and then you have a staffing issues because job keeper, job seeker, like people are not wanting to work. People are, are they've they've got their they're securing the jobs that they've got, or they're on job seeker, um, which is, you know, they don't they don't have to be looking for work. They don't want to do twenty hours a week for me because they can make more money by not working. So that was really tough. But um, then we got then we have on the other, like the other side of the coin, which is like really cool, the fact that we opened up um, Bellingen uh, like hilltop at the lodge in Bellingen, um, and. We had these people that were coming out of the woodwork to work in a new place that we don't get. We don't get any job keeper for. They don't get job seeker. So they're the type of they're the model people that you want to have employed in your business. So for me, that kind of separated the the wheat from the chaff, as it is um, to be able to see right. These are the type of people that we want to employ. These are the type of people that are invested in what we're doing. Um, so that's really that was really exciting and. Um, I suppose the, the great thing about the great thing about the industry as well, um, as that works at the moment, we, we open up for a la carte dinner. Um, we can the room's pretty big. It's like a it's an old um, I don't know whether it was a it was a stable or anything like that, but um, it's that's a massive room. Got a big open uh, double sided fireplace in the middle, and um, it's a pretty cool room. So we can get seventy in there at any one time. Which is which is really good, and we we can we can find it sustainable um, doing what we're doing because we don't need to have as many staff because we know that we're not going to get an influx of fifty people walk through the door, which you do on sometimes when people are not booking. Um, now everyone has to book, um, and we we get a couple of walk-ins, but there's uh, everyone is pretty pretty solidly booked in, and we did. Last week we, we were full every single service so
1: wow yeah
0: yeah it's like it's it's awesome it really is we, they're supposed to be their the quietest month in August in Bellingen because they have this winter music festival in July which obviously got cancelled um, and they're like oh yeah we've, we're going to see a real big downturn now and um, we' just we've been getting stronger and stronger each week so I'm just hoping that that can continue on.
1: You made a name for yourself at Chiswick, and Carla Jones made a name for herself at Four Fourteen. But you both left Sydney to do the Hilltop. Why? Why did you make that move?
0: Um, family, it was kids more than anything. Um, we, and I think it was. I don't want to. We never wanted to be those people. The what ifs, and oh, wish I'd have done that. And that's the whole thing. Like why we've done the Lodge. We didn't want to look back and say right, oh, we should have done that. And, we, we had our, so our eldest one is uh, Hudson, he's, he's four, he's five in uh, January and we moved back when he was about six months old and it was the fact that Carla had a business with Colin 4'14 um, and knew that we didn't have any support in Sydney, we have obviously were a lot of friends but we didn't have any family, um, I had my cousin but he's, you know, he's a young, he was young lad and he, he wanted to like I don't expect anyone to look after my look after my kids for me. Um but that do you know what I mean? It's just it it came a point where we're gonna have to make this move. Um I felt as though I'd achieved as much as I as I could um with the businesses. I worked for Matt for eleven years and Peter and um yeah and Susan and and loved it. And I, but it just came to the point where family started taking priority, and I knew that we we had to make the move. So we did. Um, Carla's family they live in Sawtell, and the and Hudson and Luella they they're growing up with their cousins now, which is you know it's a really strong bond that we see, and, and um I would never ever want to take that away from them. I never I never look back now. Like I I can't imagine what life would be like not living here, to be honest with you.
1: What were the challenges like creating a new establishment in an area like that? Having sort of carved out a career in Sydney
0: for both of you, I think it was um, initially it was quite daunting because there was a lot of there's a lot of expectation and everyone knows you and it's a small town. And we're like, I can't wait to see what you do and you're doing this, and and then you're like, oh right, well we really have to um, you know turn it on here. So even though we are a little cafe. To start off, we started doing um, we started doing dinners once a month. Like that's what our DA would let us do. We couldn't do any more, so they became quite niche. They would sell out, and we'd do we do twenty people, um, because it was all weather dependent. So we'd do twenty people inside, and it was like this really intimate um, cool little thing that went on on a Friday night um, secret secret meal club, and people like going by well we drove by last night we saw that the lights were on what's going on there and it started the talk of the town um and then i suppose that that was what kind of springboarded springboarded us on to do the lodge um because we'd started getting that following and, and people knew that we were more than just i suppose more than just a cafe but we were trying to do. we did way too much um initially and we'd taken on we took on yeah, we took on too much and we thought we were still chefing in Sydney and we thought we were still doing fine dining. And we, <laughs> it was just, oh God, we were talking about yeah, making it hard for ourselves. But yeah, we just, um, things, I think when baby number two came along, when Luella came along, that's when we just said, right, we need to put the brakes on a couple of things um, and obviously open a, a business, you know, that doesn't <laughs> That's not really putting the brakes on it. But it definitely shaped it definitely <laughs> shaped how we were gonna do how we were gonna do Hilltop Sortel. Right. And more along the lines of cafe and say, right, if we've got this other business now that we can we can really sink our teeth into and go go and do what we, you know, that we're really passionate about and what we've um what we've been like grown up and we've gone through all our training to do, then we don't need to be doing all of that at the at the cafe as well. So the model changed a little bit, but we're still using great, great produce and, um, local suppliers. The, um, the hard thing, the hard thing was, you know, this ideology of, um, okay, I'm going to go to a small, small town, small community. There's loads of farmers around here. There's the co-op, which we're getting, which we can get all this fish from. And, you know, you, you're living in La La Land if you think that that's going to be, that's going to be the case. Um, and that was, that was the hardest thing. I'm only just starting now to make some breakthroughs with local fishermen, um, local, uh, local growers, um, especially out in Bellingham, where there's a bit more land and people, um, a bit more fo- I suppose, are a bit more focused on that. And the fact that you can't do the volume of, um, of that, quali- that type of quality ingredient in a cafe, so I was like, it's like this ceiling, you're pushing up, pushing up, pushing up, and then you think, well, what what am I doing that for? But there was, yeah, there's still a lot of people around here that are, you know, they're stuck in the 80s, and like, well, this is how we did it. This is how we've always done it. I'm like, well, surely you could just change that one little thing, and maybe I could get a bit of that fish that's going down to Sydney. Oh, no, no, we can't do that, mate. I'm like, right, okay, well, that's just rubbish. <laughs> so I was, at first, I was... Um, it as stupid as it sounds. I was getting fish that was going down to Sydney. That then I was um, freighting back up here. Wow! To use to use on foot Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, and then I made a breakthrough with uh, one of the guys at the co-op. Uh, his name's Joshua Cook, and he was he's actually just left, which is quite it's quite exciting because that's the reason why I'm starting to get in touch with um, fishermen. Like face to face, um, but yeah, I started started to get more more of that, um, more of, get more of that seafood, and then when we opened up uh, Bellingen, you can start get more of these niche uh, vegetables, and then there's growers that want to start growing for you, and then they come coming at your food, and then they're like, wow, wow, I didn't realise that that was what you did, and they take you a bit more seriously, um, which is great. So I'm starting to, that rapport starting to build now, but. You know, it's only taken three years to get that going. <laughs> three years, and I have a few, few, few cases of beer, and then we'll just see whether they, whether they like working with me or not. <laughs> but that's all right. It's all good.
1: You and Carla both have unique styles of cooking, but what really drives the style of cuisine at the lodge?
0: Uh, well, we change the menu every month, which is really good. Like we're actually in the process of changing it today. Um, and we just it's it's seasonal like that's it. We just we go and have a chat to the veg guy, go see what what he's got, um, and I think that we have come from background where we I suppose we t- you try and treat the every ingredient with the same amount of respect, whether it's you know protein or whether it's um, being grown in the ground or whatever, but. I think that they we've start we've gone away from the fiddly fiddly stuff, and it's becoming more and more like good quality. Like if you were coming, if I if someone was coming over to my house, this is what I would like them like them to eat. But maybe just touch it up a little notch. But we we're, we're currently using some um, like there's a local octopus guy that we've got in. Um, so and he wants to get. You know, he wants to get his stuff on the menu. I think he's doing some work with Martin's seafood. So we're just there like, right, okay, we know that octopus can be on now for the next three months. Let's just keep building dishes around that that's seasonal. Mm-hmm. We've got kingfish that we can pr- pretty much get all year round. So let's let's use that, whether we use it for sashimi or whether we, um, we're going to roast it up or whatever. Let's just, let's just keep that on and let's catch, tr- keep trying to herald these people. Sometimes it's like banging your head against a brick wall, but I think that the the clientele that we're getting is starting to understand that the uh, there is so much quality around here, um, and when you've got stuff like that, you don't really have to do that much with it. Um, we want we were all we were always about like trying to have share food and about the whole experience about people, um, you know, coming and enjoying dinner together, and they, we did we start doing a Sunday roast um out at bellingen and that's just gone next level that's great like we've we are booked out weeks in advance for it so which is which is brilliant and but then the share thing is all about tables like we aren't you want big large tables we can only have tables of 10 maximum and then sometimes it's ta- like some then it was at one point it was tables of six and so it's just the there's all these there's all these ideas of what you want and how you want to format this great, great menu, and the, I mean the menu's fine, but the the whole the whole aspect of it. Now I have to think more about that. Than it's not just me cooking and making sure that people are having good food. You want to try and encapsulate everything and make sure that people are walking away with the whole dining experience, and that's the hard thing. That when I don't feel as though we, we're hitting it, given given what we what we're doing, the current. The current pandemic that that we've got.
1: How does a young lad from the north of England wind up in Australia cooking?
0: <laughs> I'm Sure, I told you this over a few beers before I went up. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I came over here when I was nineteen, and I came over. Um, I came over backpacking, um, and I was only supposed to come for three months, and I ended up. <laughs> Fifteen years later, now, I came in two thousand five. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I just, I'd finished I'd finished up um, cooking in England and the, the lads and an ex girlfriend at the time said, oh, you know, we're going to go to Australia. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go on. I, and I didn't think it would happen. And then four weeks later, we're, we're getting on a plane. And I'm like, oh, all right, this is a bit, a bit real. And so I said something and it was kind of blasé to my mum and dad. All right. Well, what I'll do is this is my great plan, right? So what I'll do is I'll go across, I'll go across, and then, you know, I'll party for a little bit, and then we'll see the Great Barrier Reef, and we'll do this, that, and the other, and then, um, <laughs> and then I'll go, to, and then I'll go to somewhere, and I'll get a real good job, and um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, no worries. and then within ten days I run out of money, and I was ringing them, <laughs> I was ringing them, <laughs> and then. Um, then I think I got to Bondi, where every every English or Irish backpacker goes, and ah oh, yeah. Well, then I rang him again, and he, my dad pulled pulled me up and said, "Mate, if you, if you if you do not get a job, you know you're in like you're coming home." And I said, oh. "I didn't want to go home with a tail between my legs." So I was um, I was watching telly one day, and um, I was currently working at a cafe down in um, down in Bondi. Which was no good for me because I never could get up for the mornings because I was I was at the Bondi Hotel till three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> so, so I was constantly getting wrong. And I was like, "Well, this is, is not good. I might try another avenue." And I'd worked in some pretty decent places in, in York. Um, I'd never gone down to London, but and I had like I had a pretty good work ethic, um, which was instilled to me by my mum. I mean, I was in the kitchen. From the age of twelve, washing pots. Well, she was she was a general manager um, at the hotel like up the road from us. Um, And then I saw this thing, and it was um, it was a documentary with Kempy on it and Matt Moran. Heat heat in the kitchen, I think it was. And I was like, all right, okay. And then I looked down in the paper, and there was a job spot at Aria. Wow. Yeah, I thought I thought oh, I'll give him a call. And then I rang up and I said, oh, I'd just like to speak to Matt Moran, please, if I, f- if I could. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, you're dreaming out, not yeah? I said, well, it says call Matt here. And they said, oh, so you can speak to someone else. So I spoke to Simon and I went and did a trial the next day, which was, oh, yeah, it was like 14 hours. And then at the end of it, it was like, they just said, oh, do you want a job? I went, yeah. And then I was like, I've had to wait 14 hours for you to offer me a job. And then, <laughs> so then I came back on the following, I came back on the Monday and then, um yeah I suppose the rest is history i just uh I was pretty green even though yeah and I did have green hair as well I think I think I was yeah there was a few things going on back then um and yeah I kind of got whipped into whipped into shape pretty fast but um was always just willing to you know sink my teeth into the something else and I'd stay back and I'd I'd try and you know try new things that I've never never tried before and um, we had a really good sous uh, chef at the time, Ben. Ben Turner. He was yeah, he was amazing. He took me under his wing, and and uh, as he did with a lot of us um, back then, we had a, <laughs> such a good team. Um, a lot of lot of people have gone on to do some great things as well. Um, so we we had yeah, excellent excellent team back then, and it just we had a, a really good bond. And um, I worked there for seven years, and then. I left and took the job up at uh, up at Chiswick back in 2012. I think it was 2012. We opened, yeah.
1: Well, was that Chiswick where you made a name for yourself as the head chef? And um, you know, we all know Matt Moran; he's a pretty famous chef in Australia. But w- what's he really like to work with?
0: He's great. He is like we, he, except for the fact that when you were when you had chickens on the pass. You'd always be sending one out without a leg because 'cause he'd be, and then you turn around like, and he's eating it. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me, are you? Like, so right, oh, someone said this. These chickens only got two legs. <laughs> These chickens only got one leg. Sorry. I'm like, yeah, the other goes. Speak to him. He's eating it. Um, no, he's he's great. Yeah, he is. And and he and he texts quite a lot. Um, make sure that we're we're doing all right. I'm, He's still yet to come on a on a little um, trip up here, but I'm sure he will. He's pretty busy. Um, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of time, like and bouncing up, bouncing ideas off Peter and Susan Sullivan. They've been amazing for me and Carla, um, to be to be learning from and giving giving those their advice. And Pete came up and opened up the lodge with us. He came and did three nights with us. He was publishing cutlery during the past. Wow. Yeah, I know. And it's, I suppose it's testament to. What what I put into the businesses for them. Like he's now, they're both giving giving back tenfold, and which is it's quite humbling to be honest with you. And these guys, these young kids that we've got working for us, they're like, oh, you know, who's that old bloke? Um, with his who's that old bloke that's just singing random shit, walking <laughs> around the kitchen? I said, oh well, hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's just a, just this mad guy from Sydney that we managed to get up. But now nah, it was. And he, he's coming up he's coming up quite regularly and he goes and visits another friend of ours up in uh, Lennox who's got the diner up there, Tim. Um, so it's really nice. That's, uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool what, how that's unfolded.
1: You mentioned a little earlier how you moved there for family but the pandemic made you work a lot harder than you'd ever worked before. What's it been like trying to maintain that sort of life-work balance and be there for the kids? because you've got quite young kids.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It it is and um I never wanted to be that be that guy that was or be that dad that was never here, but unfortunately this is a it's the real world that we're living in and um we mo- we moved up for the work life balance and we haven't we haven't managed it yet, which is which is really tough. That's the hard I suppose that's the the hardest thing to uh, like own up to. Um, and we're working on it. We, I, I have, I was doing the, the opening up at the hilltop store in the morning, and then going to Bellingen at night time, and then opening up again the next morning at the hilltop store. Trying to think that I was doing the right thing for everyone, so everyone could have a bit of a break, and ended up that I was the one that ended up um, buckling. I, I was, I had to have a, I had to have a week off. It all came crashing down. So then Carla like stepped into my shoes. She's like, right, Luella, you're not breastfeeding anymore. You're off. Um, I'm at, like, she was, actually kind of forced into it, back into it, and she's like, this isn't sustainable. Like, it's not sustainable for obviously for you, for us, and we need to change some things. So, but in doing that, it's really, it's a really hard thing to do. To to then think that oh, I'm going to have to start employing someone to do, essentially do what we do. So you look you look towards someone that has got your same um same values the same like ethics your view on food um and that kind of understand you and that's a hard that's a really, you can't just buy those people off the shelf like we're going through a you're going through the industry has already been go, going through a shortage of quality people and it's not for for people in australia it's not a um it's like it's, hospitality is a secondary thing. It's not not something that's taken. People don't do it for life, for essentially, really. There's very very few few people that do it. So to try and get some serious people, especially in the talent pool up here, is really really difficult. But the um, I get Tuesdays, I get Tuesdays with Luella. Um, I get mornings off. I've I've actually like stopped working um, at the. Sortel store, so I get the kids. So I have the kids on a, on a morning, usually, um, but then Carl isn't now doing that. So yes, I'm seeing the kids, but I'm not seeing her, and we're not spending like time together as a family. And so there's just a few little things that we need to start, um, start, I suppose, working on and getting getting some quality people in there that we know that are going to look after the business. As well, because otherwise we're, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna stitch ourselves up, aren't we, massively? So we're on the lookout. If anyone's out there listening, <laughs> <laughs> this is a plea. It's a call to arms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Richie, you and you and I uh, know each other quite well, and um, you know there's stories we could tell, particularly from a trip to New Zealand, that aren't for this podcast. Um, <laughs> But there is a question that I've never asked you that I've always wondered, is that who's the better chef, you or Carla? Oh,
0: it's a boner contention, this one, isn't it? Oh, hopefully she doesn't listen to it. <laughs> I don't know. She's, I think she's she's definitely, I'd say she's more of a, um, a, more of a well-rounded chef, um, but she's more, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one like she does pastry she the- she does pastry she can cook meat, she can cook fish, she, that, 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 that. Like she can do all that. I, like, I I don't do pastry I've never done it so I wasn't allowed over there uh, so I said she's probably she's probably more rounded than me but I don't know we should have a cook off we'll see how we go <laughs> I think that's a horrible question to ask cuz I can't win either way can I <laughs> <You> Prick.
1: which <laughs> Uh, it's been really good to catch up um good luck with everything moving forward hopefully hopefully um you know all of the restrictions ease pretty soon and everything can get back to normal and you can uh, get some normalcy back in your life but um been awesome to catch up
0: right on mate cheers hook i'll speak to you soon
1: this is the deep in the weeds podcast i'm anthony huckstep